0: The Forward Together podcast from Hollywell Trust with Paul Gosling and Jared
1: Dean. So welcome to the Forward Together podcast. This is episode four of the podcast. My name is Jared Dean and I am joined by Paul Gosling. Paul, how are you?
2: I'm fine, Gerard.
1: Good stuff. So this is our podcast produced by Hollywell Trust. Um we are trying to create a conversation, a forward-focused conversation, where we talk on a range of issues. And on this episode, we are joined by Senator Francis Black, who is a well-known singer, but also an independent senator. Paul, tell us a bit more about Francis.
2: Well, Francis is one of the most friendly politicians you ever come across. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, uh, she's also a member of the Erectas uh, Good Friday Implementation Committee. So she has a particular overview of Northern Ireland, and of course she has very strong connections with the island, uh, Rathlin Island, where she has strong family connections there and is very committed to dealing with the deprivation of mm. Rathlin Island.
1: And I suppose some of the other issues that come up in her conversation are, are really focused on mental health and addiction and how prescription medication was so overused here during the conflict to deal with stress and threat, and then the social issues that that brings along were amongst the things that she talked about.
2: Absolutely. And of course, the issues of addiction and drug misuse are issues that are cross-border. Although, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the troubles increase the level of anxiety and addiction to drugs in the north, we also have, for different social reasons, very high problems within Dublin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is an all-Ireland problem, which perhaps to an extent needs an all-Ireland solution.
1: OK, let's hear your interview with Francis now.
2: Senator Francis Black, uh, independent senator in the Doyle. Francis, thank you very much for doing this. The first question I want to ask you is, how do we strengthen civil society in ways that enable us to make progress?
0: OK, well, I suppose there's some times where, you know, when I'm asked these questions, I feel slightly inadequate, you know, um, but I can only share, I suppose, my experience um, in my work and the work that I have done, particularly here in Dublin, Dundalk, you know, other areas, and also in... in belfast and on Ratlin island and a little bit of the cross community work that i've done cross border actually as well and how it blossomed in a way but unfortunately due to lack of funding it didn't continue and i can you know the area that i have i suppose expertise in is around mental health and addiction and the way i see it is that often people are united in can be can be united in pain trauma emotional pain um And we all know, particularly um, within the six counties, you know, people have been impacted by the conflict. And, you know, the trauma that comes out of that um, and how that can be carried on down to the generations and the legacy of it. And I know, I mean, when I was in college, I did a little bit of work around, you know, I just did a little on one of my essays. I did a piece of work on it. And I when I started to look at, particularly during the conflict, how what I my the little bit of um i suppose research that i did um and i had gone and i had talked to a few community organizations particularly i suppose i was very interested in in the field of addiction and how that all kind of manifested itself and i realized during the conflict there was a lot of prescription medication given out to people and you can understand why i suppose in a way because it, it's scary i mean I know myself even travelling through the north, you could feel the tension. You could feel at any point, you know, there could be something that's going to go off or um, there could be an explosion or, there, you know, you see the army going around with guns. I mean, that's quite, you know, even though people get used to it and people get familiar with it, it can be quite scary, and particularly if you're a young child. And then obviously there was so much that went on. So the way I see it is, I mean, if you have a partner that maybe went to jail or if you had any family member or if you had a family member that would have been uh, killed or shot or whatever, there's huge trauma in all of that. So and the way it was dealt with was by giving out prescription medication. So there was huge amounts of medication given out. And as a result of that, that's the, that can impact the next generation. So if you have... I'll take maybe, I'm just throwing it out here, but if you have maybe the father goes to jail and the mother then goes on prescription. She's got five kids or six kids. She's trying to struggle. She's trying to get through life. The trauma of what's going on around her, she sees it everywhere. But whatever community you're from, it doesn't matter whatever, you know, because the impact is the same. And you start taking this prescription medication to the children, you'll nearly lose both parents because... The parent who's on the prescription medication cannot be present. They can go through the motions and maybe cooking the dinner, but is not really present. So often the eldest child will look after the, the rest of the kids. And then there's this ongoing kind of, I suppose, legacy that's carried on down. And that's, that's what trauma does and that's what addiction does. Um, and that's what, um, I suppose, unhealthy relationship with prescription drugs can do. So the way I see it is, and when I went into the different communities and I met with different communities, I met with uh, from both sides. The issues are the same, the heartache is the same, the um, you know the mental health in particular. And when we went to the Good Friday Implementation Committee, we went up to visit. We went into West Belfast and we talked to the community there, particularly around the Irish language and the you know the whole impact around that on them and how for them. It was almost, you know, soul-destroying, you know. They feel that it's their right to be able to speak their own language. But then we went into the Shankare Road. And the issues were, in a way, quite the same. It was really around, when I started to talk to them about the mental health and the impact on young people of what was going on and, and the deprivation and the lack of housing and the lack of jobs and all of those things, it, They came. they started to really you know, come alive, if you know what I mean. Within that meeting, the people started to talk about mental health. And I remember one man saying, you know, that he was with a group of young men and he, and he asked them, you know, what, would, what, would you, what kind of a job would you love to do? And, you know, and they said, oh, my dream job is to drive a van for the local supermarket. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, in a way, I just, my, my heart went out and they talked a lot about mental health. And one man in particular talked about, you know, driving down the road and there's a certain road that he would drive down where at one time a bomb went off and he still goes into the trauma of what that felt like, you know, and he still goes into that hypervigilance, you know, and as a result, you know, he had to go to his doctor, he had to get medication. So it's just a kind of a vicious cycle and then that can be carried down to the next generation. Anyway, the reason I'm saying all this to you is I genuinely believe that if those issues, if we started off from that level in working with the communities and bringing the people together, you know, talking about their anxieties, their stresses, their worries. I remember in North Belfast one time um, going to a huge event around suicide and both communities, people from both communities who had lost family members, and the pain and the heartache were the same. And people got up and spoke about their loved one. And it didn't matter what community they came from. You know, they just went, they could identify with each other through that pain. So
2: so how do you bond those communities with the shared experience, but traditionally have blamed each other for their experiences?
0: I mean, well, for example, um, and this is just an example. So the RISE Foundation, which is the organisation, the charitable organisation that I set up back in 2009, um, when we went up we up on Ratlin Island, um, we ran programmes. So we ran cross-border, cross-community programmes. Um, and what that meant was you'd have 10 people in a room. And, you know, it didn't matter, cross-community, but also we brought people up from Dublin or from wherever, Donegal or from wherever. And what was really interesting... So the, the only, I suppose, the, the actual RISE Foundation is an organization that supports family members who have somebody they love with a, an addiction problem, with an alcohol, drug or gambling problem. And anybody that has a family member in addiction is heartbroken. Okay? But what I, I suppose, what I discovered uh, through that program was that people could identify with each other. They identified with the heartache, with the sadness, with the loss, um, that they had. But then also they would bring in their their own heartache, you know, with regard to the impact of the conflict that has to come out, you know, um, and and what happened to them and what happened to their family and what ha- and then you would have maybe somebody from the unionists, from somebody from the nationalists who would both talk, and then the people from down south would have had no idea what happened in the North during the conflict. So it was amazing, and the support that they gave each other, and the way they almost held each other in a, in a very... It was just really powerful to watch it. Now, I, I mean, I, I have no answers um, with regard to how do you do that on a larger scale, um, but it's certainly worth a conversation.
2: And presumably it can be go beyond uh, issues of addiction so that perhaps Absolutely. there are other focus areas, obviously loss.
0: Absolutely. So it's not I mean, I'm only using that as, as yeah. an example. Yeah. So, um, you know, because when you have somebody that's in addiction, your heart is broken. You, you don't know. You can't think straight. You're, you know, in that kind of hypervigilant place. You're consciously con- constantly worried. But yes, you know, we we know the suicide rates um, are huge. Um, in certain areas um, in the north. Um, but we also know that the suicide rates, you know, in Cork are huge. You know what I mean? So, it's suicide is something that nobody understands unless you go through it yourself. Do you know what I mean? If you have somebody that you know or you love, and the whole ripple effect of it is so devastating, not only to the family, but also to the community. The whole, the whole community are devastated by suicide. So, and there's... I mean, huge levels of suicide um, across the island of Ireland. And, you know, and then you have mental health and the impact on mental health and, in general, and people who suffer with anxiety, people who suffer with depression, people who suffer with so many different mental health issues and when we say the word mental health we have this image of somebody who's on you know after having a nervous breakdown that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about you know i mean i would have had depression you know many many years ago and and i struggled through it and i would consider that a mental health issue you know you don't know what's wrong with you but when you bring people together on that level it really really can bond people and and all barriers go down, do you know? And that
2: leads us directly into the next question about how in the North we build a shared and genuinely integrated society.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everything comes down to community. You know, family and community. Um, and I think it would be great and I look, I don't have the answers as I say and, and you know, I wish I did, but community is so important. You know, um, and in a way... You know, since the Good Friday um, uh, Agreement, you know, when I would go to Belfast or Derry um, and no matter what side of the community, there was a great sense of community on either side because everybody kind of looked after everybody and everybody supported everybody. But more recently, that's kind of that's gone. There's not that same sense of people looking out for each other. And, you know, and that seems to have disintegrated a little bit.
2: But not just that. They they are still different communities. So yes, there are strong senses and spirits of community yeah. within different areas yeah. and traditions. Yeah. But they don't knit together. Do they, they don't
0: no, exactly. Well, I don't think there's the same sense of community that was once there during the conflict. I think it's definitely, you know, gotten it's, it's just not as strong as it was.
2: But in a sense, those sense of community during the conflict yeah. was because...
0: Of the trauma. Yes. You know, of the trauma and So it didn't
2: bond the two communities it into didn't a shared bond, experience. No,
0: but... So and that's what
2: we need to aim for now, isn't
0: 100%. it? 100%. So my belief is that now it's about bonding the two communities. And it's through so many different ways you can do that. And I think probably... Starting with schools and more integrated schools, you know, Um, and I think that would be very powerful because, you know, as we all know, I mean, there's a lot of young people out there have no idea about the conflict, you know, and have no understanding of it whatsoever. And but yet there's an energy around, you know, the segregation is still there, you know, Um, and that's really sad. And I think if there was a focus on the communities and there is some cross community work going on. I know in mm. North Belfast and Bridge of Hope, um, um, they, they do really, really good work. And that really is around, um, you know, victims of the conflict, do you know. And I think that's how it started off. But I mean, and there's always that question as you know, who is a victim of the conflict. But the thing is, everybody's a victim of the conflict. Even the Even the young people today who were, you know, the legacy of it that's carried down through the generations is still there, it's still present, do you know?
2: But in a, in a way, the the, the the concept of blame means mm-hmm. that it creates a barrier to, to mm-hmm. seeing the similarity of shared, shared experiences.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everything comes back down to that human level, you know, and just, I mean, look, you know, I suppose it's always going to be there, everybody... You know, everybody has to blame somebody, you know, and we see it all the time, even in here, you know, in Leinster House. But, you know, um, personally, I suppose, it's how do we, I suppose, strip it all down to a human level. And, you know, I mean, when I went into West Belfast, I'll be honest, that time, even though there was a lot of discussion with with, them, when I went in with the Good Friday Implementation Committee, it was a vibrant there was a vibrancy about that community. Um and but when we went into the Shankar Road there was a certain feeling of just lostness and maybe no direction or something. I, I can't describe it to you and I'm I just pick up on energies, if you know what I mean. And there was a there was a huge sadness and um there and when we spoke to, you know, some of the people in the Shanker Road, they were saying, like, I asked them about the Irish language and they said, we don't care about the Irish language. There's people here who have gone and learnt it with, you know, Linda Irvine and, you know, we don't have any problem with it. Um, and I said, what is the biggest problem? And they said, it's housing, mental health, you know, health, um, lack of jobs, employment, all of those things that at the end of the day, you know, are really, really important.
2: So, in a sense, you're saying party politics gets in the way of the communities bonding together, perhaps.
0: Uh, well, I suppose, you know, I mean, I've no experience in that. And I can't say yay or nay to that, to be honest with you, and I, because I don't. I'm an independent, you know. So, for me, though, I mean, I would like to see the communities working together.
2: And does the, the the absence of political institutions working perhaps create opportunities for civil society to assert itself?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the, the lack of institutions that are there now, I mean, that's, you know... I mean, in one way I can kind of understand it, you know, um, and, you know, I, I understand why that's there and why that's happening, um, you know, and I feel, I suppose when it comes to the Irish language and LGBT rights, they are two very, very important issues, you know. Um, So um, I understand why, I suppose, uh, the parties are not in power for, for that reason, or particularly Sinn Féin, why they're not in power for that reason, and I suppose, I would imagine they're as frustrated as everybody else. You know, why, and look, to be honest, I don't understand why It can't be just, you know, why the DUP don't just sit down and and, and go forward and just agree to just basic human rights? I don't understand that. And I think it doesn't make sense to me. And that's as much as I can say about that. Why can't the DUP just sit down and go, Okay, let's look at LGBT rights and let's look at the Irish language and let's just, why is that barrier being put up? And that doesn't make sense to me. But in saying all of that, I do believe that working together, one community would be, and working towards one community would be really powerful.
2: And that relates back to your previous point about encouraging integrated education. But again, the problem is there doesn't seem to be political support amongst either of the main parties, or perhaps even most of the main parties, for expansion, significant expansion of integrated education.
0: I don't know. That is my answer. I don't know about the about the politics up there, to be honest with you, and I don't know what the thinking is. Um, I'd love to sit down with both of them and say, look, what's the thinking on all of that? Um, so I really just genuinely believe that we need to focus on communities. I really do. And, and, that, and look- focus on communities, work with the communities. Um, what are the community organisations out there? Um, explore them. Um, and see how we can bring them together. And I know that sounds simplified, but and I know it's not. I understand that it's not.
2: And that relates to the other big challenge, which is how we deal with the past and how we deal with the legacy issues and how we reconcile com- communities. I mean, in a sense, you've touched on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, look, I know it's a minefield. I know the whole thing is a minefield. Um, and I know that there's a lot of work to do and at the end of the day you know i would love to see um you know schools integrated schools i'd love to see you know the churches working together you know um in some capacity and some community level um and and maybe that's happening so look i'm, I'm down here in dublin um and i'm not aware of the I know I know of North Belfast and the great community that's going on down there you know and the work that they do um and I know there are other organizations who are do- doing the same thing um we just need to focus on it we almost nearly need to take take a model that's already working and expand on it and really put in the resources to that you know to that community on how they're they're working together I know for example I worked with um Irene Cherry in Bridge of Hope and it was Irene who were, was the actual one who brought the two communities together and then we went up to Ratlin Island and then we were able to bring people up, you know, and how that's how we all work together. And, you know, Irene works very closely with Billy Hutchinson and, and others, you know. So, like, that model seems to be working. Now, whether it's still working or not, I don't know, but that was back, you know, maybe five years ago. Um, I would hope it is.
2: And do you think that can be expanded to deal with the issues of trauma from the past?
0: Well, I think it's a, a step. It's a step forward. You know, I think it's the first step. And
2: and do you believe that sort of uh, truth recovery uh, uh, is 100%. a good a good way forward? Absolutely. Because do there believe- does seem to be a, a sense that you know the best way to deal with the is to repress it and not deal with it
0: no I don't think that's I mean look I know you know the um, justice for the forgotten and um, they have come in here uh, for a good few meetings and I have met with the families and I've seen the heartache and the heartbreak and the the feeling I just don't think they'll ever rest you know they'll never find peace until you know particularly I know the, the people who come in here around the Monaghan bombings oh my god like to to listen to them to this day i mean how many years ago was that and still to this day they're as heartbroken as the day it happened and it that there's a huge injustice there and i think you know it's 100 percent time for for truth and the families need to know what's going on
2: and if dealing with the truth of the past and reconciliation is difficult the other thing which is really difficult is the constitutional conversation the future arrangements i mean Mm -hmm. How do you think we can have that conversation without it being seen as threatening?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult one, I think. Um, And I think, again, I think people are fearful of that conversation, frightened. And I believe everything comes down to communication, communication, communication. And if we can sit down and take the fears away from people, amazing things can happen. And I wouldn't be a great communicator myself. I I always, you know, I I like, I'm first and foremost a singer, you know. um, I left school when I was very young. I don't have a great language. um, But I do know that people understand the language of the heart, you know. Um, And that can be through music, it can be through poetry, it can be through the arts. In any way, people get it, you know. Um, And... But the most important thing is, an awful lot of it is fear-based. And people are fearful of those conversations. And again, it comes back to being open and honest and, um, and taking those fears away from people and listening to what those fears are. And I think if we can all... I know it sounds simple, you know, but it's not rocket science either. You know, when you come to the human being, you know, and to the human spirit, sit down... And listen to what people's fears are, whatever that might be. What are they? Listen to them and then try. And I'm sure maybe it has been done, Paul. I don't know. So, again, you know, I can only talk from my own experience or whatever, my own, you know, my own heart and say maybe it has been done and it didn't work. But I genuinely believe if you sit down and listen to what people's fears are and try and work through them from... Whatever community you're from, amazing things can happen.
2: It's also about warmth, isn't it? that yeah. If the conversations begin a sense of hostility, then they don't 100%. go in the right direction. Whereas if you can build up a sense of human warmth.
0: Absolutely. And like, for example, you know that time when we went into the Shankare Road, and you know, and I went in. I was the only woman there, as part of the Good Friday Implementation Committee, um, and. Everybody else that was there was all sitting in shirts and ties and suits, you know. And I know I come from a very working class community. I come from Charlemont Street. I was born and married in the tenements, you know, proud of it. But I know if I was meeting in my local community hall with my, my friends and neighbours and sat, you know, with a table like this with a whole bunch of men in suits who were talking about Brexit and trade deals and all of that kind of stuff, I'd get pissed off. I began and I would find it hard to understand what they were talking about. It was only when we start when I started to bring in the piece around mental health and what's it like for you and and that it, the the energy changed and people became animated and they started to talk about their own experiences. And that's where we broke down the barriers. It was very simple, you know?
2: So it's warmth plus talking about the things that matter to people rather than abstract issues. Yeah,
0: to talk about what it's what it's like for them on a human level what's what's life like for you daily on a daily basis what are your struggles um and when you do that and people start to talk about their struggles and you really hear them and you listen to them and you try and support it in some way whether it be just from sitting down and just having that warmth amazing things can happen
1: OK, and thank you to Francis, as always, for a, a, a useful conversation, really interesting conversation. Paul, are there other things that you take away from the conversation that was just heard?
2: Well, obviously, Francis is, is very committed to dealing with the, the, the legacy of depression and hurt from the troubles and drawing on her own family experience in terms of how you, how you deal with past events and how you deal with depression uh, and overuse of medication mm. but also I think it's very important that you know her focus on the idea of the community but one of the problems we have in Northern Ireland is this context uh, this context of there being two communities or more perhaps we should say given the number of people from other backgrounds who now yeah. live here but we need to find a way where the focus isn't on the different communities but on a holistic community where everyone helps each other and that actually is one of the themes from lots of the interviews yeah. that we do so we need to work out ways in which people recognize that their experience from different community perspectives is actually very similar with people from other communities so that i think is a lot of it but also one of the other points that francis makes who and she is very very well qualified to make this point as a member of the directors' uh, senate is the fact that you know people in the south in particular in dublin do not understand the north, don't know very much about the north. And, Mm. you know, if you want to have the constitutional conversation about the future, there needs to mean more understanding in the north of the south and more understanding in Dublin than the rest of the republic about the north. And we need to move forward in terms of getting people to understand our neighbours and people who we might be sharing even more intimately our island with in the future.
1: Okay, an interesting conversation Um, So thank you to Francis as mentioned earlier Uh, That's it for this episode, episode 4 Keep an eye out or keep an ear out for future episodes and we'll talk to you again soon Thanks Paul
0: The Community Relations Council for Northern Ireland supports this podcast through its media grant scheme and core funding programme